Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in InfoSec, technology, and humans. The idea is to curate around three to five hours of weekly reading into a 15 to 30 minute summary. The goal is to have you caught up on current events, tell you about the best content from around the web, and hopefully give you something to think about as well. You can get the companion newsletter with all the show notes and links at danielmesor.com newsletter. All right, welcome to episode 94 of Unsupervised Learning. This is Daniel. And as usual, we are starting with InfoSec News. Deloitte has had its email system hacked, which looks like it's probably 0365, not confirmed, but a cloud email provider uh, done by Microsoft, so probably 0365. And it was hacked via an administrator account that lacked 2FA. This is from The Guardian. And the breach was discovered in March, but they suspect that it's probably gone at least from the end of last year, if not before. Looks like they were going after some um, major customers. Looks like a number of uh, like six different core customers were involved. But uh, they haven't talked much about motive, but it seems like an attacker was trying to gain information on some of their customers. Uh, really serious stuff. It's a $37 billion company. And uh, a big part of their thing is is uh, protecting their customers against exactly these types of issues. So not good news for them. And uh, definitely continue to track the story as it, as it unfolds. Equifax has been sending concerned customers to a phishing site for weeks. Uh, so they put out a site that was supposedly for uh, protecting your credit. Turns out it was actually a, a phishing site. And now we're learning that they bought their identity protection service, which is another site that they're sending people to to protect their identities after a breach. Um, back in August, when they, but not the public probably knew about the breach. We don't, we don't know that for sure. Maybe someone does know that for sure, but I don't. Um, but if this is true, it, it would be pretty bad that they strategically planned after knowing that they were breached, but before telling anyone else to um, buy a service. I'm not sure if it, cause they already had another identity protection service, right? So, Maybe they're using one of their existing ones. Like this is, this is how reporting can go bad, right? You start making assumptions. But they bought a identity protection service before the leak was announced and when they probably knew themselves. And then after they announced the breach, they announced that they have the solution to the breach as well. So now they're making money off, off the situation. Now, I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, I mean, it, they should be allowed to make money off of a service that they have. Like it just, again, we, we need to wait and see exactly what happened from people who actually know there's still a lot of speculation around the story, but it's just layers on layers of not great responses and possible shadiness that, that are just adding to, uh, an overall negative feeling about how the system, uh, how the situation was handled. 
Someone hacked the SEC last year and access what the SEC is calling non-public information. That's magical. It appears that the hack was used to make trades and earn profit. So it looks like people went in and actually, you know, made some adjustments and sold and bought and made money off of it. And in July, a report came out saying that the SEC lacked basic security controls, not uncommon for most companies. And, uh, my thing is like, well, I guess this is not so bad. Luckily, it's just our economy that we're uh, talking about here. Frightening. Uh, some Apple users have had their iCloud accounts hacked, likely by sharing passwords with another account that had been compromised in like one of these online breaches. And uh, it resulted in attackers basically using the Find My Mac uh, capabilities and locking their Macs remotely and then contacting them and demanding money to unlock them. So it's like ransomware, except for now they have control of your computer. Uh, I think this one really just <clears throat> highlights the importance of not sharing passwords and uh, monitoring. They're basically going through and making sure all your passwords are unique and, and strong and using a password manager to ensure that if you need to, or a password scheme. And most importantly, I mean, especially for something as important as your iCloud or your Google or uh, your core infrastructure accounts, you've you got to make sure they're really locked down. And definitely not matching <laughs> previous accounts that you've used that have probably been breached, like the LinkedIn stuff and the Adobe stuff and Dozens of others that are in like, have I been pwned? Adobe posted their private PGP key on their blog. These people must have been cursed like by the gods in a previous life or something. Like the whole company is a giant flash vulnerability at this point. Um, I actually love what they're doing product wise. I love the new subscription model for the tools. I think it's really solid. Uh, I just, I just wonder what's going on on the security side. I, I met someone from the security group. They were actually really smart. Just strange that they keep having so many serious problems. Verizon has had another data leak via, you guessed it, an unsecured Amazon S3 bucket. The content was scripts, server logs, other potentially sensitive information, uh, which also included internal usernames and passwords, potentially. The CC cleaner or CCleaner tool has been infected with malware and has compromised at least 700,000 PCs. And Cisco's Talos group believes that the authors attempted to get inside 18 major tech companies for the purposes of espionage. When I read that, and then you hear about the Deloitte breach, you wonder if, you know, these are the same sorts of campaigns. It, it's crazy because if you think about the OPM breach, you think about the SEC, SEC breach, you've got this malware campaign. You kind of feel like, you know, Russia, China, other state actors, and certainly the U.S. is doing this stuff as well, are, are creating these giant dossiers on... Uh, companies, on individuals, 
on industries, and basically just building out high quality databases that can be used for other purposes to go after, to target people. And um, it seems like, I mean, the NSA has been breached to some degree, either by insiders or by jump boxes. Um, the SEC, OPM, uh, China compromised basically every person with a clearance and got all their dirty secrets written out in explicit form. Um, ICS, I mean, our critical infrastructure being hacked. I mean, it's crazy to think about just how deeply penetrated the, the country as a whole is and that it's not individual incidents. I don't believe this to be the case. This is conjecture, but I don't believe this is individual incidents. I think uh, people are absolutely building a comprehensive database on how to attack the country, right? Using these various sections. And you have people focused on industrial espionage. You have people focused on ICS and SCADA attacks. And then you build campaigns for how to attack the country that uses these various uh, points of leverage that you have. And when you think about all these individual breaches in that context, it's, it starts to get a bit, a bit scary. Um, happily, I think there are people in the government who are thinking in this way and are already, it, and obviously um, also know way more about this than, than I do or we do in the public. So we can only hope that uh, one, we're aware of this and defending against it and uh, hopefully have some sort of offset along the same lines uh, to others as well. But I think the defense is way more important. ISO has rejected two NSA-designed algorithms <clears throat> because they aren't sure they could trust the NSA, honestly. That's pretty much the gist of it. Um, Schneier put it really well by saying that um, he didn't think or maybe they said they didn't think that uh, they would trust the NSA to make, to make the right choice between surveillance and security in kind of a clipper chip type of way. Swiping to enter your passwords on Android is an extremely weak protection against shoulder surfing with 64% of attacks being able to reproduce a login after observing only one example. So I think they just got a group of like 60, uh, a bunch of people. I don't know how small the set was, but basically had them watch a swipe and see if they could remember it after just watching it once and over 60% could. Um, so you think about like biometric, you think about like fingerprint logins, you think about password logins, um, harder to watch the fingers typing, right? But biometric, you can't copy that by watching them, right? Because you don't have their fingerprint and the new face ID, same thing. You could watch them do it. Doesn't mean you'd be able to reproduce it. But uh, yeah, the swipe thing, really bad for shoulder surfing. So really bad for airports, really bad for coffee shops, really bad for any sort of place where um, you're in public and there might be people behind you. Um, I, I think it's important to note that this needs to combine with a, a type of threat actor, right? So who's going to do that, then steal your phone, then get onto it and do something. So um, interesting nonetheless that uh, some things are vulnerable to uh, shoulder surfing and some things are not. 
patching for this week. Uh, there's an Apache issue similar to Heartbleed in that you can send options requests and extract pieces of memory. So you want to update your Apache. And iTerm2 had a function where when you roll over links, it would send DNS requests. So um, basically kind of like a snooping type situation. And the iTerm2 uh, team has responded to that. And I believe you can get updates at that link. Technology news, Google bought part of HTC's smartphone team for $1.1 billion in a move that looks to be basically an aqua hire around like 2000 HTC employees and basically constitutes a long-term commitment to a more seamless merging of their hardware and software, similar to what Apple does. Looks like the GPS accuracy of our personal tech and probably cars, hopefully cars, will get upgraded in 2018 from five meters, which is what we currently have, which is still pretty good, but that's going to get improved to 30 centimeters. And not only is it far more accurate, but it'll work way better through buildings and other obstructions. They're actually talking about using two different, um, two different radio frequencies. Um, and they work in concert and give us 30 centimeter accuracy, even in cities. And they're talking about, this was a Broadcom, I believe, uh, communication. Hopefully it's not marketing. That would suck if it was just marketing and this is not real, but, um, they're talking about releasing, um, these chips to the general market in 2018. And, uh, they basically said that they needed a certain number of satellites to be able to get this stuff out. And they now have enough where it's viable. So that would be super cool to see in 2018, a much tighter GPS uh, location. London is not renewing Uber's license in the city, basically saying that it was not high enough quality. Uh, it made the city look bad. People were complaining, but a lot of people are complaining that it's being turned off. I do have to say that I would love to use the Uber app just to command the black cabs in London. The black cab system in London is fantastic. Um, everyone there is required to memorize all the streets in London. You tell them a location, they just drive, they use zero GPS. They're extremely professional. Usually I've had a couple rude ones, but not very often. And uh, it's just great. So, I mean, if there was an app for them, I would gladly use it. Um, I, I wish it were Uber, but with the quality of the black cab, the convenience of the app, I mean, that's the hybrid I think people are really looking for. The Washington Post has a bot that's posted over 850 articles in the past year. It's mostly been like factual updates of like, you know, this numbers or uh, these particular numbers or these updates or this weather or whatever, uh, or scores, but I would expect this upgrade to happen in quality, um, to where it looks more similar to a human reporting, right? Summaries of larger articles, that kind of stuff that AI is already doing. Um, and eventually it's going to start pushing on human talent in journalism. Human News, a massive new study of over 130,000 people across 17 countries 
has shown that even minor daily activity like vacuuming or walking to work, basically 150 minutes per week, can reduce one's chances of dying of any cause by 28%. And people who spend more than 750 minutes walking briskly reduce their chances of dying by almost 40%. So basically doing anything active for like 30 minutes a day gets you 28% chance uh, less of dying of pretty much anything. So uh, really big study, really good results. I, I think we kind of already knew that activity was good, but this is really saying that the, it's important not to, it's important not to be sedentary. That's the most important point is to not be sedentary and that really any type of activity for 30 minutes will, will get you a lot of benefit. Some economists are predicting a labor shortage due to the combination of economic growth and more and more people exiting the labor market, uh, many of which are actually getting on disability and taking opiates. That is a crazy trend in the U.S. anyway. Um, I'm really interested in how this trend of having less people in the labor market interacts or collides with my prediction uh, of motion towards the gig economy, where companies basically want to get rid of all their permanent hires. Um, some companies want to get rid of a lot of their uh, permanent hires. And basically start using gig people, right? So contractors and how that conflicts with uh, or interacts with uh, basically influencers, right? People just broadcasting their own abilities and their own um, capabilities through a service like uh, like the Work App, like I talked about in the book, or um, just otherwise broadcasting as an individual that I'm able to do these things. And then companies who need those things done basically broadcast out through a tech layer and find people to do that work. They do it on a gig basis. They're done. Boom. Company gets what they want. Individual gets what they want. So that's one trend. And then you have this other one where more and more people are leaving the labor market. Wages are, have been going up to some degree. Um, so it's uh it's an interesting mix. I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Scientists put slime mold onto a map of Tokyo and it quickly builds the same train system that humans did. So basically it works to, uh, I think it's spreading out and finding food, right? And it, it does so obviously in an efficient way because it was built by evolution to do that. But, um, what they found is it built this uh, web network that branched out to these different locations and it mapped very closely to what the actual train system looks like that was built by humans over whatever, however long it took to design with how many engineers and the slime mold basically did it with no brain uh, or no brain that we understand. Uh, super fascinating. Um, Maybe we could save a bunch of money on planning by using slime mold. And uh, making projectiles out of tungsten is evidently quite effective. Um, yeah, this is really interesting. Evidently, it's way more dense than lead. 
I already knew a lot of this stuff because I was obsessed with tungsten and high and uh, titanium all through high school. Like I knew the atomic weights. Like I was, I just love this stuff. Uh, tungsten is the second highest melting point or titanium is the second highest melting point. Tungsten is the highest melting point, but I didn't realize tungsten was so dense. So it's actually used, it's um, the vibration mechanism inside of like phones. Um, it obviously, uh, old light bulb filaments was tungsten, has the highest melting point, um, but it's as dense as gold. In fact, a lot of fake gold is actually tungsten. So um, yeah, super interesting that you put it in bullets. You basically, um, the other thing people are doing with it is um, militaries are making projectiles out of tungsten, not even putting explosives on it because it'll just tear through things uh, by itself just by virtue of its density. So anyway, really good for projectiles. Ideas. With Facebook and Google, you are literally the product. This is a piece I put together over the weekend. I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept. This is basically breaking it down and saying what that really means. Gender dysphoria contradicts both conservatives and liberals. Not really a political piece. It's more about uh, gender and views around gender. And how <clears throat> it's easy to be wrong from multiple sides about this point. Co-working which is basically working in an office, maybe getting popular because it's about team productivity and not individual productivity. So while it may be true that you work better remotely, it doesn't necessarily mean that the team that you're part of works better remotely, right? So I thought this was really interesting because I thought it was so obvious that everyone works better remotely. Why not just do that? But the point is, some of your work is good when it's done individually, but a lot of the issue is shared goals, right? And, and getting a lot done. We, we all are familiar with the argument that, you know, you have interaction when you're on site, but that's also a takeaway. Too much interaction means you don't get enough done individually. So it's a balance. Um, <clears throat> and I think a lot of people are figuring that out. And that's why there's flexible work hours. There's some time allowed remote. Other time you have to come in. I think that mix is key and I think it's different for different companies. And I got another piece here, text size, text size and the quality of content. So um, I got a theory here basically that the smaller the text that you read in like some scientific document or some blog, it's basically like negging in like the dating scene, like this really trashy dating scene where uh <clears throat> when you talk to girls, you, you basically point out negative things about them and they feel bad about themselves, which makes you more interesting. Right. And I think <laughs> having extremely small text size in some like uh, scientific literature or some blog, it's kind of doing the same thing. It's saying, I'm not just going to tell you what I think you need to squint and it, it's hard. It, it's dense. It's probably over your head. Um, and then as a result, the reader's like, wow, that really was interesting uh, once they found a way to get through it. Same with using obfuscated or, you know, elaborate or difficult to understand language, right? You're basically trying to sound important to make the reader sound feel stupid uh, 
which makes the content seem better. It's exactly the same as nagging. It's basically courting via condescension. Discovery. Israeli researchers exfil data from air gap networks using infrared camera LEDs. They keep working, Israelis keep working on air gaps exfiltration. I feel like I've seen like 10 of these stories in like the last two years. <clears throat> um, explore neural networks in your browser. That is a crazy link. Really cool way to mess with deep learning and, and some data and see how the results are built. Counterintelligence for cyber defense. This is a thing by the Gruck. Really, really cool link. An interesting perspective on the notch on the iPhone 10 that basically says it's going to become the new distinctive feature of iPhones. So when you look at a phone and it doesn't have this notch thing on the top, which I, I really kind of think is horrible looking, but this person makes a great point. I can't remember the name um, of, of the person, but it's got this notch on the top. And now that could be like the visual outline to indicate that it's an iPhone. I kind of feel it like it's a lemon and they're turning it into lemonade. And they're trying to be like, oh yeah, we did that on purpose. I don't think they did it on purpose. I think it was a just a structural uh, requirement because uh, they needed to have this 3D camera system in the front. <clears throat> and they didn't want to have a full... Uh, forehead on the device. So they ended up with a notch, but I think they might be able to actually turn it into a novelty that only exists on the iPhone and therefore uh, turn it into a positive. Android Oreo has a number of significant security improvements, including stronger separation of third-party and core Android components and an improved update mechanism. Seems like a really solid security update. Uh, very excited for that team. A study indicating that IQ maps pretty directly to income. Uh, don't have enough statistics, knowledge, uh, or training to quickly check this work. But uh, the tone of the piece really seemed uh, genuinely like curious and not really biased or selling anything. Um, and it, it was pretty direct, uh, basically eight to 10 points of IQ equating to like a 10 X increase in, um, in income and obviously a lot of averages there, but, uh, yeah, interesting piece. Uh, I, I wouldn't take it as gospel or anything and some tools here, AWS extender. This is a sick burp plugin for testing security of Amazon S3 buckets. Get Secrets prevents you from committing secrets to your repository. This is super important. You can basically, Git has um, pre-commit hooks and post-commit hooks. And uh, I believe this uses one or both, but it's got a whole bunch of rules in there that basically say, hey, it looks like you're trying to commit, you know, an Amazon key or an SSH key or whatever. And uh, you shouldn't do that. MindWeb, a full and visually displayed computer science curriculum online. Sniff Air, a wireless sniffing system by Rob Fuller, um, also known as Mubix, pretty cool tool. And Repossessed, this is a project of mine that scans GitHub repos for various types of vulnerabilities. Currently focused around secrets, but I'm getting ready to, I just did an update and pushed it last night. <clears throat> 
that does a whole bunch of cool secret stuff. But um, I'm going to be adding uh, static code analysis, some really basic stuff uh, in there very soon as well. Uh, notes haven't read much in the last week or so. Uh, still finishing the fourth turning. I'm right at the last few pages of that and really enjoying the book uh, Essentialism, which is about basically picking your top priorities and focusing on them and sort of dropping most of the other things away, being willing to say no, stuff like that. And I'm all appled up with the latest gear that just came out in the last week or two, um, except the iPhone 8, because I'm waiting for the 10. Uh, but I got a new space gray aluminum uh, 42 millimeter series three watch on the way with LTE. And just installed last night, my new Apple TV with 4K. And it is fantastic. Recommendations for the week. Uh, what you need to know about climate change. This, uh, this should be a science conversation. Strangely, it's a political one. And I don't uh, normally talk about politics here. I know uh, some of my readers are skeptics. And I know some of you are definitely not. Uh, regardless of which one you fall into, which group there, uh, skeptics or non-skeptics, um, I urge you to listen to this podcast. Uh, I'm basically one of those people who's been convinced that we are causing extraordinary, uh, extraordinary warming. But I've also hated the fact that there doesn't seem to be any clear explanations of how we know there's a problem for sure, right? Because there's just, it's a, it's a hard space, right? And I see research being pushed down uh, that opposes the, the main theory. So whenever I hear, whenever I notice that it's sacrilegious to say something, then I tend to doubt the other side. So I've had some skepticism myself, not that it's happening, but that maybe the degree to which it's happening or something about the thing has just not seemed right. So I've always been sort of searching for clear summaries. And that's what Sam Harris has done with this podcast episode. So he brought on this guy who's just really good at explaining. He's a scientist himself, but his main purpose is explaining all the key points. And the counterpoints, right? And why those counterpoints are not correct. And it's all sort of summarized in one podcast. Uh, it's a fantastic episode. I'm actually going to be doing my own primer on this. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Possibly using some of the uh, content from this podcast and basically make it even clearer where you can read it in like three to five minutes. So um, yeah, definitely recommend the episode. Um, again, skeptic or not, doesn't matter. I, I don't care where you end up on, on the issue. I just think you would be better off for listening to it. Uh, next one, Reddit wholesome memes. This is a Reddit sub dedicated to being excellent to each other. It's only positive stuff. And I'm telling you, you should incorporate it into your routine, whether that's daily or weekly, or whenever you just need to feel better about humanity. I feel like the news basically tells us the worst stuff. And uh, looking at wholesome memes, it just constantly evokes like empathy and and uh, kindness for other people in the world. Um, and that's not the case with most or many 
subreddits on Reddit. Like there's some pretty nasty stuff. That's what I love about Reddit is that it, it really captures everything about the world in a very clear sort of way. Um, and there's like lots of positive uh, subs, right? There's like um, only positivity. There's a, just a ton of them, but wholesome memes is, uh, is one of my favorites and I recommend you check it out. Aphorism for the week. <clears throat> the important things are always simple. The simple things are always hard. The easy way is always mind. Murphy's law of war. The important things are always simple. Simple things are always hard. The easy way is always mind. Murphy's laws of war. That's it for this week. And I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget that you can get the show notes for this episode, including the links to everything mentioned in the companion newsletter at danielmiesler.com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.